I remember several years ago getting into a fight with one of my loved ones. I said things that I shouldn't have said. There was shouting, there were tears, forgiving and hugging it out. After a really late night, I woke up early the next morning and went for a run. Honestly, I still felt bad about what I had said and I spent the entire four mile run trying to clear my head and praying, specifically praying part of Psalm 51. It gave me time to reflect on what was said, how I approached things, how I needed to not make things about me. And at the end of the run, I had a clearer mind, a little lighter heart and a better perspective. Our focus text for today is a prayer that we normally hear on Ash Wednesday. It's a Psalm of King David, written and prayed after he realized just how terrible of a thing he had done. He slept with Bathsheba while she was married to Uriah, and more than likely pressured her as he was the king and she was a woman who was expected to submit. He got her pregnant. He tried to trick her husband into believing the child was his, and ultimately he had her husband killed to cover up his sin and to take her as his wife. This is the psalm of a man who is broken. A man who's crying out to God to be washed clean of his sins. Now whether or not he would have come to this conclusion if he had not been called out by the prophet Nathan is a discussion for another time. But let's just assume that David was genuinely repentant and realized he done messed up big time. David cried out to God, asking for forgiveness, asking for grace. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but the first time that I was introduced to Psalm 51 was when I was little, in church, singing the song, Created Me a Clean Heart, O God, as the offering plates were being carried to the front of the church before communion. I sang it for years and years before realizing exactly where these words had come from. And honestly, I don't even remember when it was that I actually learned that this song was actually from Psalm 51, or at least when I made the conscious connection between the two. It was just there. This song that I had memorized in elementary school, talking about creating a clean heart. The words were comforting. I knew that they were important somehow, but I don't know if it really connected with me what they met until later. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me in a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, 
and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you have no delight in sacrifice. If I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Prayer is a powerful spiritual practice for many Christians, and prayer takes on so many different forms. Prayer can bring comfort. It can allow us to let out emotions and feelings that we maybe aren't comfortable letting out in front of others. Prayer can connect us to God in a deeper way. Prayer gives us space to listen to what God is telling us. Prayer can be cleansing, as we hear in Psalm 51. Prayer can lift us up and help us feel supported, especially in times of struggle, when we're being prayed for by many people. Prayer can also be used as a weapon against us. I remember when I was in junior high and I went to a summer camp sponsored by Fellowship of Christian Athletes. As with many Christian camps, part of the time included small groups with Bible studies and prayer. At one point, our small group leader had us close our eyes and raise our hands if we believed that we were saved. And if we died that night, whether or not we believed that we would go to heaven. And if the answer was no, then we were highly, highly encouraged to pray to accept Jesus into our hearts. Pray that our sins were forgiven. Pray that God would change our hearts and help us to be on fire for Jesus. And then we took turns standing in the middle of a circle and had the others in our group, or huddle as they called them, pray for us out loud. Now, as a young teenager coming from a Scandinavian Lutheran church, where first of all, we were taught that we were saved through our baptisms and by grace, through faith, and also where the only time that we prayed out loud, really, in groups was at meals and together as a congregation during the prayers of intercession. So coming from that background, this made me super uncomfortable. There was also definitely an unspoken rule that if we did not participate in this, then there was something wrong and we weren't as good or as worthy or as godly as those who were willing to participate. Now looking back on all of that, I realized there was a lot of spiritual manipulation and weaponization of prayer going on. Now I don't think that there was any malicious intent. Honestly, I think it was coming from a different faith tradition where there was a genuine fear of not being worthy of God's grace unless you conformed to a certain idea of how a good Christian acted and believed. I wonder though, how many people are in a place in life believing that they are not worthy of God's grace because of who they are, because of what they've done, because of what they failed to do. How many believe that 
they're not praying in the correct way, that their prayers aren't sincere enough, that they aren't praying hard enough, that they're not using the right words. And that's why bad things are happening. That's why God's punishing them. How many feel like prayer is being used as a weapon against them rather than something that's a force for good? rather than an opportunity to lay out how they feel to God without anyone else manipulating them or the situation. While Psalm 51 might at first glance seem like it is absolutely filled with law, there's so much good news of Christ wrapped up in it. We spoke earlier of how this Psalm came to be written. David lamenting, confessing, giving himself to God's mercy. We know from the story of David that God's mercy and grace was given to him. He was allowed to continue as king of Israel. His son Solomon, who was his second born son of Bathsheba, he became king after David. And all of this wasn't because David prayed a specific prayer that God's grace was given to him. God's grace was given to him because God loved him. David genuinely repented of what he had done and he cried out in a way that was authentic to him. It was raw, it was full of emotion. While David may not have believed that he was worthy of grace and mercy, he asked for it anyway. And to me, if Psalm 51 doesn't read as something David would have prayed in public, it doesn't read as something that he would have said in front of so many to be contrite, to be repentant, to put on a show. It reads as a prayer between a man who is broken and his God. It's the type of lament that I could see myself writing in my journal or praying to God in private. Prayer is not meant to be used as a weapon for others or against others. And I don't think it really has ever been meant to be that. Prayer is a means of communication with God. God promises us that we can pray for anything and that God will hear us when we pray. God also promises us that when we don't have the words to say, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. Sometimes words aren't possible. Sometimes the words that we have are like what David prayed. They're totally raw. They're broken. They're real. Sometimes the words are praises, thanksgivings. Sometimes they're intercessions for other people. But whatever the words are, those words are meant for our God, who loves us, who gives us grace no matter what we have done, and who has claimed us by name, sealed us with the Holy Spirit, and marked us with the cross of Christ forever. That is the good news of Christ, and that is the promise of prayer. Thanks be to God for that. Amen. During the next few days, I encourage you to go deeper into the message with these two reflection questions.
First, have you ever felt that prayer was used as a weapon, either for or against you? And second, have you ever felt like you were not good enough for God's grace? And if you feel that way now, or if you did feel that way, what would it take or what did it take to convince you that God's grace is indeed for you?